Uh, good evening and welcome to the Anxious Conservative, uh, or sorry, the Anxious Conservatives podcast. I'm Liam here, one of the Anxious Conservatives, and I'm joined by the other um, Anxious Conservative, Monique Poirier. Poirier. Hello. Yes, uh, hello. And um, we're here to talk about um, uh, anxiety and politics and how they relate, and they're a pretty good match, really. Uh, Monique is a, uh, what, what do you do, Monique? I am the campaigns manager at the Auckland Ratepayers Alliance, and I am a business owner for one more week. Oh, that's right. Huge change coming up for your life. Um, yes. Uh, feeling anxious about I might have a normal life for <laughs> yeah. once. Well, well it, it'll increase your anxiety for the short term for another week, yes. and then maybe your anxiety will level up a little bit. Hopefully, that's fingers crossed. That's the plan. And uh, and also you you blog for Kiwi Blog every week. Um, okay. And I am a bit of a has been. I used to write for different publications, um, but now I just have a Patreon, and I do this podcast. Um, Definitely not a has been though. <laughs> or never was. Um, and my name is uh, <laughs> my name is Liam here. Uh, right. Okay. So Minnie, how's your anxiety this week? Actually, again, pretty good. Um, very stressed, though, which is not the same as anxiety. A lot of people just think that being stressed is being anxious, but it's not. Being stressed means you're still in control, um, which I am. A yeah. um, little bit anxious about a wedding tomorrow, and I know that probably seems a bit silly, but um, with a major week coming up, having a wedding is actually not ideal because no. it's half a half a day of my life that I don't really have to give yeah. but um it, it will happen and it's been on my mind for ages and you know like this morning I had to tan myself for an hour men probably don't get this but tanning is a real um it takes a lot of time gonna have to put on a second coat of tan tonight and then probably another one tomorrow and it takes a while so it's just all those little bits and bobs that are yeah. pretty stressful no yeah. I, I don't i don't bother i mean i wouldn't even bother putting any um any product in my hair to go to a wedding to be honest with you oh, God. <laughs> um okay <laughs> what mean, about you what's made you anxious well well i I'm, I'm i'm a bit like you i'm under stress this week i don't know if it's anxiety mm. because you know I, I tend to think of stress as being something that's a natural um exactly it's a natural reaction to being under pressure mm -hmm. and yeah uh, and like you i mean i'm you know we're getting to that part of the year where everybody wants to go to the christmas party and you know and, mm. and the one time one time of the year where you don't have anything because mm -hmm. You've got no time because you've got everything you want you to get done by the end of the year. You know, you're going to go away for a few weeks. Um, and that going away for a few weeks will create some, some of the anxiety. But at the moment, I'm just feeling, for various reasons, you know, family reasons and uh, work mm. reasons, just feeling the stress at the moment. But my anxiety is okay because I've only got nine unread text messages and only two, <laughs> and only two voicemails to get through. How are you doing on that score? Oh, I'm at 27 unread messages, which has gone up a bit, and five Facebook messages. So a lot of people contact me on Facebook. I'm better at Facebook than normal messages. I don't know why, uh, but no yeah, it's less, it's less voicemails. It's, it's less formal, right? That's what it is. It is, yeah. yeah. And actually, if anyone ever does want to contact me, they really should Facebook me. They'll get they're they're way more likely to get a reply. I signed up for that, that Spark service where it converts um, your voicemails into text messages. 
I really need to do that. It's good. It is good. I mean, you know, the for me, the anxiety of a um, text message is still bad, but it's not as bad as <laughs> voicemail. It's an improvement. <laughs> Gosh. Right. Okay. Well, on to politics. So the question is being raised uh, for some reason as to whether men should be required to wear neckties in the debating chamber of parliament. It seems that uh, Simon Bridges, a good friend of this podcast, um, <laughs> thinks he thinks he should wear um, ties because he tweeted about it. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on the topic? I am a big believer in ties need to stay. Yeah. And why? Yeah. Why is that? What's, what's so great about ties? Um, I think you should look your best when you're in parliament. Uh, women can't go around wearing no tops or uh, no bras. Um, am I allowed to say that, Liam? Yeah. not a swear word, I don't think. <laughs> um, no, I, I am all for tradition. That's why I'm a conservative. And yes, ties need to stay. Yeah, I, like I tend to agree. I mean, look, I, I tend towards um, unconventional forms of uh, dress in my private life. You know, like I enjoy to wear, I'm, I'm an um, aficionado of roll necks. Um, but you know when you go to parliament you you are going for a certain purpose and Mm -hmm. you know to uphold a certain dignity of the office and Mm -hmm. and if you dress in a serious and deliberate way um you sort of you are conveying that but I also think you know that you're more likely to actually act more seriously and exactly you know if you put on if you observe the niceties of seriousness and dignity you actually just become more serious and dignified just because you've, you've made that conscious effort to sort of dress in the way that we expect. And it's a bit, it's a bit like school uniforms, you know, S- uh, school uniforms have the same effect of just concentrating uh, people on the fact that they're at school, they're there for a purpose. Um, they're, they're wearing the physical garb that comes with that activity. And I just kind of think wearing a shirt and tie and jacket is kind of the same thing for, for male MPs. Yeah, and, and I actually would go so far as to say that I actually think it should be a requirement that women wear blazers. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can get some really cool female blazers um, and they can be worn over dresses or pants and shirt. And yeah, I just, I, yeah, I'm a big believer in looking your best in Parliament. When I was a, when I was a young lawyer, I got um, t- told off because my um, clothes weren't good enough. I was oh. I would be I was wearing Allentine suits, and the um, and the minimum standard was at the time was Barkers to wear. Um, you know that's the <laughs> that was the minimum. Uh, and um, but interestingly enough, um, you know n- the same sort of expectations weren't there for the female members of staff. And I think it's because at the time, it's not anymore, it was such a, a much more male-dominated practice that, you know, no one sort of had, had any idea. Well, you know, that yeah. you wouldn't venture that way. It was too dangerous. But yeah. I, and, and that will probably change. But it's certainly the case that, you know, it's, it's probably a lot more prescriptive than men than it, for men than it is for women. It is, yeah. But I think that's where a blazer, you know, the expectation that you wear a blazer, that's easy, yeah. can be worn over anything. Yep, true. <clears throat> All right. Okay, so it looks like the government's going to uh, declare a symbolic uh, climate change emergency next week. So unlike the, um, it's it's very different to the non-symbolic COVID emergency, uh, (laughs) because nothing's actually proposed to be done. I don't think Jacinda Ardern's going to establish a climate dictatorship, and I don't think she intends to hold daily televised climate briefings with the 
climate change commissioner um, or anything. So, so what I don't, I'm trying to want to get to the bottom of what the point of this is. But first of all, what what's your position on global warming? Well, obviously it's happening. I yep. just think we all have different ways of tackling it, and uh, taxing people to the to the ends of the earth is not going to solve climate change. Um, nor is uh, declaring a, t a climate change emergency. Yeah, no, I got, I, um, it's all talk, no action. Yeah, look, I agree. I mean, look, I don't have a science background, so not only can I, uh, I can't um, assess the science myself, but you know, I mm -hmm. can't assess the people who are, you know, assessing the science. So I take, I take it on mm -hmm. trust that the vast majority of scientists exactly people, they're, yeah. not, they're not engaging in an implausible hoax or cover up. But as you point out, it's that's only the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, what do we what do we do? And I've got to say that, you know, I, I'm a climate pessimist. You know, I'll, I'll believe, I believe in what the scientists tell us, but I doubt that there's a political and economic answers. Exactly. Um, I would say I'm exactly the same. Yeah. But as far as this emergency goes, um, as you point out, it's, 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 you know, words speaking louder than actions here. Is there, do you think there's any harm from, from them declaring it in this way? Uh, I don't think there's harm, but I do think there are equally, if not more pressing issues, as I tweeted recently. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't understand how we're doing this and yet child poverty, the, the, the very thing that got Jacinda Ardern into politics, how we're still just letting it be just another issue. Yeah. So you could say almost that, you know, if you're going to, not that I'm encouraging them to do this, but if they're going to declare no. an emergency... They would be better off, you know. They would, they should declare it about child poverty or um, the housing yeah. crisis, things that they have some yep. sort of notional control over. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, and I mean we've seen. I, I know Auckland councils declared a climate change emergency. I'm not sure what other councils have done the same. I'm I'm an entirely. I'm not entirely sure if it has achieved anything. No, at all. I mean to me, I you know I think there is there's some low, very very low level harm which is that idea that, you know, if the government declares an emergency, they're saying, right, it's not going to be business as usual. Um, you know, we need to have, we need to suspend the normal rules. We need to get things through without the normal safeguards. And, you know, if the government starts declaring things as emergencies, those things which, you know, I mean, as bad and uh, terrifying as they are, don't have that kind of immediacy or don't come with, bring with them that kind of, immediate action or suspension of norms and mm. I think that we, just, we water down the concept of that and I think you know when we have pandemics and things and we say right well we're declaring an emergency we have kind of debased that idea a little bit we've made it worth a bit less um exactly. you know, that, 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 look that's hardly going to be the end of the world you know people are sensible enough to tell you know when when, when an emergency is a an immediate threat and when it's a political stunt but uh you know on the whole I, I think you know, clearly, I, 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 I'm dreading the, the way that some of the media is going to cover it. You know, there'll be big headlines and, you know, it'll be touted as this world-leading thing that we've done. And as you say, it's, it's all just words, right? Exactly. And I think that's probably my big, my number one issue with pol politicians is that so much of it is, it's plastic, what they say. And in that, I mean, there is no substance. We all know that politicians talk and there is no substance to anything yeah. that they say 95% of the time. And that's exactly what this yeah, declaration so, is. So, so here's my next question on that. Do you think that, that she's actually, or the 
politicians who do that are actually just giving people what they want. Like yes. People, <laughs> you know, people don't want to actually have, um, you know, the, the big sacrifices foisted upon them. They don't want to have to do something. But they want to feel like they're making the right sounds and they want to feel like exactly. Dare I say it? That they're virtuous, and you know, yep. like so this this kind of thing. While it doesn't do anything, it just it doesn't make people feel better about themselves, right? Yes. Yep. Twitter, they were doing the clappy hand uh, emoji, um, oh, yeah. clapping at it. Yes. So, so was that, so was that yeah. declare a climate emergency yes. now? Yeah. Whatever. Is that, is yeah. that what yeah. that means? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's, there'll be a whole lot of coverage of it next week, which would be kind of annoying, but... Well, you know, do you, my, my next question would be, are National and ACT going to um, support it? Yeah, ACT won't. That's no. quite clear. Uh, and I think National will take the line that it, they're, they're not doing it because it's a stunt. ACT will, ACT will oppose it on principle. I think ACT mm. is very little in ACT for... Um, for taking a sort of nuanced or realistic approach to climate. I mean, the, the, the part of the voting base that they appeal to is probably much more sceptical of climate change. National's yes. got a more difficult position. So I think, they'll, I think National will probably end up opposing the declaration on pragmatic grounds, right? Like saying that it's a waste of our time or it's, it's pointless mm. or it's a distraction from the real things that we should be doing. You know, I guess like you and I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it will be. You're right, though. In regards to the media, into, in regards to the media, it will be interesting, um, particularly because in the last three years, apart from the odd Greta AOC um, tangent, we kind of haven't heard that all that much, have we? Yeah, I mean, there are some people who are re who, for whom it is their big driving issue. And they throw their hands up and it doesn't get the coverage that it, they think it merits. Um, but really, the, you know, the minute that we got a Labour government, a whole lot of steam went out of the issue because, yes. uh, you know, because, it, you know, when, 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 you were, when, you, when you could criticise National for not doing anything uh, and, you, you know, there was perfect alignment of the issues, but it's a bit harder to do that when you're actually trying to also justify the existence of the government and mm. say, well, yeah. 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 And for example, you know, it was funny to see that, you know, the government quietly scrapped its um, its own internal measure for, um, or its own internal target for having electric cars. Uh, on, on well, they're actually very good at just scrapping their own targets, like with Kiwi Bills and whatnot. Yep. They're very good at that. Yeah, we, we they've, recalibrate, they've recalibrated it down to zero. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yes. that so they're now exceeding expectations if they even. Yeah. Well, exactly. So, yes, yeah. they're actually doing very well now. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. Well, like the last thing I wanted to talk about was um a question from someone that you really like, uh, a Twitter user called um, Dave Rob or Rob Dave. Oh, um, good old Rob. And he asked, he wanted more information about why we became conservative. Now, I think there's a wrong assumption a little bit in the question because I think being conservative isn't something that has to be explained. It's a, it's an ineradicable sort of part of human nature. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to, to be conservative is simply to, you know, embrace something that we all have within us. Um, but is there anything in particular that leads you to a political conservatism or a political awakening? So a lot of people, because I'm Catholic, will assume that I'm conservative because I'm Catholic. 
while I went to Catholic school, brought up Catholic in the sense that I am from a Catholic family, but, you know, we didn't, my parents, I mean, they might consider themselves, consider themselves Catholic, but they don't practice it. I don't, I don't um, subscribe to, I didn't subscribe to Catholicism for a long time. Um, so it, it's nothing to do with religion. It is everything to do. It's just who I am. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that while it's an ideology, it's really not as well. Yeah. Um, it's so an attitude, isn't it? Or it's a, it is, yeah. it is. Yeah. And so it, because it is an attitude and not an ideology, it is very easy for me to say that on a lot of issues, I'm very left wing, even though for the most part, I'm right wing, yeah. but there are, it, it gives me this, um, this flexibility that I think a lot of other ideologies don't give you. Yeah, it's it, it's really interesting that you say that because I mean, what it is, it's you know, it's a, it's 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 an attitude that attitude probably the it's a disposition that overlays everything else, and it's like mm. well, you know, it, it's really just about being humble and seeing that right. Well, you know, uh, the things that we try to you know the 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 things that we try to force on the world will will have the world forcing them back on us, right? There, there's yeah. only so much that we can do, and so um, you know the well if I go back and just sort of I've got a similar background to you in some ways um my mm. like my parents are Catholic too and I'm Catholic um and but my parents were kind of those um boomer Catholics you know like mm -hmm. they were quite you know the, the era of the 60s and 70s it was quite it was very liberal um mm. but and, and I grew up you know being relatively left-wing my family was involved in left-wing politics you know I was a member of the alliance party um, but despite all of that, there is what's something I, I did, and I never, I, I've never not had it. Is I've always had that sort of that pro-life position on life things. Yeah, yeah. And getting to university, I, um, I just realised it was unlike the decades gone by, where there was room for that, uh, you know, in the Labour Party on the, on the left, there just wasn't any room for it anymore. Like you, you weren't allowed to deviate on life questions mm -hmm. in any way. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, I, you know, I think. You know, one thing leads to the other, and you know, I you start to read a bit more widely. You read in the places where the attitude is, is accepted, and and I'm a big believer that you know you are what you read. You know, what you read, you you end definitely up believing. And so I'm I'm yeah. open to the fact that you know my views aren't uh, infallible in any way. They they'll you know I've internalized what I've read. They'll change over time. I've got a few big red right lines around some issues um, and, and that will always be my guiding star. But apart from What that, are those? Well, those are the, you know, first of all, sanctity of human life is a pretty yeah. big one for me. Um, yeah. The, uh, the the sovereignty of, um, of family life as mm. well, you know. Mm. Um, and, uh, but those, and those two things, but there's a lot of room within those two um, parameters. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, that, that's not a comprehensive ideology at all. Um, but I can see why getting older does make you more conservative. Because one thing I do think you do realise when you, when you get old and you have a family is that you, you do come to see that the world is deeply broken in a way exactly. that, and, and, peop and people can't put back together. It's a crooked world. And the reason we can't completely fix it is because, you know, we're all crooked too. You know, we, mm. the, the measurements we use are crooked. You know, the, the moral perspectives we bring are crooked. And, and when you realise that, I think it becomes a choice of being cynical. 
um, or becoming conservative. And, you know, I, I've chosen to become conservative, I think, of those two options. See, whereas I don't think I chose to be conservative, I think it is just, it has always been a part of me. Um, I don't think I ever... Yeah. Well, it's, it's, yeah. It's part of our nature, isn't it? I mean, it's just that yeah. idea that, um, you know, the things are the way they are for a reason. You know, the, the, world, the world didn't happen by accident, or if it did, um, things yeah. haven't endured for accident. Things have endured because they have some Exactly. Sort of and there are some things that are broken, yeah. and they do need to change, and those are clear to everyone. Yeah. But for the most part, things are not broken. Yeah. And, or if Life they is are good. broken. Life is worth living. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's it's about you, you. do have to fight injustice, and you've got to try and reduce injustice. But you don't also throw out the good things while you're doing it, and that's. And I think that's a lot of the reason I'm I'm very I'm quite fiscally conservative, so I really struggle with the idea that we pay taxes and we still have people living in poverty and who are homeless, and yet we fork out millions of dollars for um, people in the arts or. Um, you know, for them to write poems or whatever. I really struggle with that. And I'm allowed to say that because I'm in the arts. Yeah. Um, so I'm allowed to say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I really struggle with the fact that we still seem to be okay with so many injustices mm. um, at the expense of, you know, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's part of conservatism that I don't think people understand is that we are very concerned with um, the injustices in the world. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, but you no, know, I think that conservatism can become quite I mean, like there is a risk with conservatism, which is that it becomes privilege in defense of privilege. And when that happens, mm. I would say you're becoming a reactionary more than you are a conservative. And that's, mm. and that's the thing. And that's the thing. You know, I mean, every political disposition or idea has its danger points, right? It's got, mm. you know, and and that's our one is that we have to always be alert to the fact that when we are trying to see the good things or when you're pointing out the good things about the way things are and the order of things is that we have to always remember that there is always work to be done it's just that we should exactly. do it. is it it's just that we shouldn't throw the baby out of the bathwater while we're doing it or we should be conscious, exactly. conscious of the fact that we can actually make things worse mm-hmm. yeah okay mm. all right so what's on the agenda for you tomorrow tomorrow i have a wedding oh that's right. the, so the wedding's on a friday Mm. Yeah. So this wedding has been cancelled a few times due to COVID. All right. Um, yeah. Pardon? Big wedding? Big, big. I think so. I think it will be over, yeah, it'll be a it will be over a hundred, I think. Yeah. And we're so, so are you, are you got a plus one? I don't. Uh mainly because up until about a day ago I didn't actually know if I'd Oh, I hope this person's not listening. I didn't know if I'd actually have the time to go. So it was just easier to just say I'd <laughs> I'd be coming. But I've bought a dress and I've put on some fake tan and I've put time aside in my diary. So I have to go. Or maybe you'll meet a wedding crasher. Maybe I'll meet my future husband. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like you just never know. That from never know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so what's on your agenda? Work. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> work. And then I've got to go to a. Um, client christmas party on saturday and uh so we had our work christmas party the the ratepayers alliance and the taxpayers yeah. union yesterday and we had simon bridges as our speaker oh, and right. Jar- 
Yeah, and shout out to Chris Pink, who listens to this podcast, I believe, who was there as well. Great. Um, it was a great night. Simon was on top form. He yep. should be a comedian. Yeah, he's he's really he's a really good retail politician. Like it was really frustrating mm. when he was a leader because he like he did like he just whatever reason he just came across the, he didn't, his best side didn't come across through the radio. But, yeah. But on a, I, I've got a lot of time for the guy, it, and it's because on a one-on-one yeah. -on -one level, I've always found him really engaging and funny. Oh, he had the crowd eating out of his hands. Yeah. It was great. So, and Damien Grant was there as well. And, oh, Damien. Um, I'm sure Twitter loved that. Yeah. <laughs> we should get Damien on the podcast one, one day. Yes, we should. Does yeah. Damien listen to this? Probably not. I doubt it. No. Yeah. He hates yeah. conservatives more than he hates liberals. Yeah. Yeah, in socialism. I don't know why. I don't know what's so wrong with us. Well, we're actually the normal ones. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, look, okay. All right. Hey, well, how about since we've just like insulted about a third of our listeners, <laughs> let's leave it there. But look, hey, listen, enjoy the wedding tomorrow. It's, um, mm. what's the weather meant to be like? It's raining here. Shit. Oh, God. I just said the S right, word. I put an explicit <laughs> rating on this. And by the way, uh, I've sorted it out so you can listen to this through iTunes and pocket cast and everything like that so you know it's um we've just got to get not have the um licensed music and yeah so uh, what music are we having are we going to do are we going to sing ourselves no i've um i've got <laughs> some music that i like uh you and actually you into classical music i am a ballet teacher oh, so oh, yes kind of full sometimes but um <laughs> so you know um uh, uh saint son you know the um the french composer um I've got um, so an excerpt of Dance Macabre. That's my um, intro and outro. You can you can choose it next week. Okay. But it has to be it has to be royalty free. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, that's why I think it would just be easier to just sing ourselves out. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do want to um, retain some listeners. Yes. Yes. True. <laughs> true. Okay. Hey, we'll have a great time, and we'll catch up with you next week. See you, everyone. Bye.